0: You know, Jesus Christ said in John 4, uh, he sought for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I really believe we worship him in spirit today, and I believe we're singing the truth. I hope we continue to worship our precious Savior in spirit and in truth. I really miss Eddie today. In fact, I detected him. I miss our pastor. I feel kind of lost without him. I got so used to him directing the services. I think he does a good job, a spirit-filled job. I feel kind of lost without him being here. So he's kind of sick, so pray for him to get well. Uh, I hope I don't ever lay an egg in the pulpit. That means make it a complete failure. You better keep praying. Sandra did ask me today. said, are you going to pray today? I mean, are you going to preach today? I said, are you going to so pray? <laughs> 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 so if you'll pray, I might preach. If you don't, I might not. Who knows? Uh, I've got a great desire to feed your soul today and glorify God. Uh, I had a great time studying this week. The Bible says to know those that li- uh, labor among you. So I want to tell you, uh, I really intended one day to just kind of get a lot of bitty work done. So I thought, well, I think I'll maybe study an hour and a half, and then I'll get some bitty work done. So uh, the Lord just blessed me. I got over here. Instead of doing any bitty work, I didn't even take a shower that morning. And I just sat down at that computer. I got to study it. I got higher on a kite, and I didn't even eat lunch that day. So I had a lot. Of, so if, <laughs> you might not get anything out of my sermon, but I've already had a good time with it. I hope I have a good time preaching it today. It's a, it's a very serious subject, and I really want to stir you up. I hope God will stir you up today. I hope it won't just be entertainment. It isn't entertaining when we come to the house of God and have a spirit-filled service, but I want it to be more than entertainment. In fact, I'm going to read you a verse from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, uh, the last letter that Peter wrote, kind of his last will and testament. He said, yeah, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I hope I can stir you up. I've got an interesting subject. God gave me a couple of texts and just started weaving it all week, just kind of weaving things around this to kind of uh, get it together. And so the first text he gave me was 2, Samuel, um, 2 Chronicles 7.14, which I'll read in a little bit. And also, if I get time, to one of the churches of, in Asia, the church of Ephesus over in Revelation. And I just got on my mind. I just kept revolving in my mind, and things started kind of coming into it. So what I want to preach on today it may not be a very exciting topic, but it's a very important topic. I'm gonna to call this don't be complacent. Don't be complacent. And uh, the word complacent means satisfied with the current situation, unconcerned with changing it. Let me read it to you again. Don't be complacent. Satisfied with the current situation. I'm talking about your spiritual life and my spiritual life now. Satisfied with the current situation, unconcerned with changing it. So I'm going to ask you a question are you doing okay? Is the church doing okay? And in a way, I would say I'm doing okay in a way. I'm not out here in gross sin, and I think the church is okay. I'm glad we have a great chapel, but that's a dangerous position. If you can say in your heart, we're doing okay, that's a very dangerous situation. So I'm going to read you a few scriptures talking about that. I hope that God will throw you today. I really hope he'll do it. So, over in Second Corinthians ten twelve, he says this. Now, in a way, we are doing okay. I don't know if gross immorality going on. I hope there's not. Uh, I'm trying to walk close to the Lord. I'm growing. I think in some ways, but I, if I get self satisfied, I'm going to be in bad trouble, and you will be also. So, 2 Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve said, "I'll read you quite a few scriptures today and try to take my time reading them. I hope you'll pay attention to them. Uh, for we dare not. Uh, no, first of all." First uh, Corinthians ten twelve. I'm also going to read Second Corinthians ten twelve. First of all, First Corinthians ten twelve. Wherefore, that him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. That's a dangerous position. If we think we're standing, then we let our guard down. We might fall. That happened to a lot of people in the Bible. You know what happened to David, didn't it? David got lazy evidently, and so that's when he committed to sin with Bathsheba. That didn't happen overnight. I think that he was getting cold. He should have been out fighting. He just stayed home this time, and he had some free time on his hands, and he got in bad trouble. So we need to really ready take, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Another scripture is this. We're doing pretty good compared with some churches. You know, Christianity is kind of a low ebb. You know that? In the whole Western world, Christianity is a low ebb. Let me tell you about our neighborhood. In our neighborhood, Grand Memorial, Methodist Church was there when I was a boy. That's where Chick-fil-A is right now. The Church of Christ down here in Norbury is where we usually go and vote. And now are going to be a Muslim meat market. How about that? Uh, well Station, where we used to go and have our overflow services, uh, is up for sale. Uh, Berkeley Baptist is barely existing. It's just hanging on by a thread. Highland Heights Methodist Church has a sign on their marquee that says, Thanks for 106 years, and they're out of business. So I'm not down about that, but i tell you, my friend, Christianity is a low level. And one reason it is is because of over Matthew Matthew 24, verse 12, it says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But I don't want you to be discouraged, I want you to be encouraged, because uh, God always had a remnant. I'm glad we can be a part of that remnant. But we cannot be complacent and just say, well, I'm doing okay, you're doing okay. Now, so, okay, we're doing pretty good compared to some places, right? Let's look over the 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Now, I read 1 Corinthians 10, 12, that says, take heed when you think you stand, Lest you fall, but now let's look at Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, you think you're doing pretty good compared with some other people? You may have some people you know that are just about halfway dead spiritually and all that. Well, let's be very careful how we compare ourselves. Here's what Paul says, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves. And compare themselves among themselves that are not wise that do that. So if we're comparing ourselves with just other sinners, we're not doing so good. Uh, we need to compare ourselves with the Word of God, don't we? I can compare myself with some people. I'm doing better than some people are probably. I'll probably study harder than some preachers do. I don't know. I might pray more than some preachers. I don't know. I might get to pat myself on the back and my, get my shoulder out of joint pat myself on the back. But uh, listen, folks we got to compare ourselves with the Word of God. So pay attention today. I hope this will be a good sermon. Now, here's what I want to say. I did not want you to get into a frenzy. See, it's easy to make, I hope you're touched today with this mercy. I hope you're stirred up by it. I hope you're stirred to your core of your soul. I hope you don't leave here indifferent. If you do, that the, i failed or something's failed. Don't leave here indifferent. I want some change today. But on the other hand, if you go rock out and say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get on it, and I'm going to go out like a buzzsaw, but I'll make some big old changes, what's going to happen? You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. Or if you think you can do it in your own self, you'll also burn out. I want to expect some results, but I want <coughs> them to be realistic results where you gradually, habitually try to get closer to God and examine yourself to see where you are. That's what I want you to do. So let's read some scripture about that. You can't do anything without God. Nothing. We can make all kinds of resolutions. I hope you'll make some resolutions. It's a good time to make resolutions. But you can't do anything without that. Now, I'm not excusing you. but I'm telling you, when you try to do something in your own strength, you're going to fail every time. I don't know how many times I made lots of resolutions. You ought to see some of the books I've got. I've got books that when I'm dead, people will probably make fun of me. I've set so many goals on so many times, I'd be the biggest Christian you've ever seen. I'd be like the Apostle Paul if I had accomplished the things I intended to accomplish. And I was sincere about all that too. I was sincere about all the things I made. I've got, but I've, I've, but I had I I, I out sometimes and fiddle out. I'm on something now. I won't tell you what I'm on. I'm on a brand new project. About the sixth or seventh time I started a brand new project, I'm just trying harder this time, and I pray to God to help me more. So let's look at some things. We got to depend on God. Look at John seventeen five. I mean fifteen five. Our Our Savior is talking. I am the vine. You're the branches. He that abideth in me, I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do, what's the word? Nothing. Nothing. But you know what? He is the vine, my friend. If we abide in the vine, that's why we bring forth fruit. Abiding in the vine means walking close to God. The most important thing you can do is have fellowship with God. So I want to encourage you to do that. And I promise you, my friend, you can have fellowship with God. I'm going to give you a Bible promise. Here's a Bible promise. It's over found in James. Draw nigh to him, repeat it. He'll draw nigh to you. That's the promise that God gave us. If you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. We must walk in fellowship with God. We're going to bring forth fruit. But, but he meant that. Without me, you can do nothing. Make all the resolution you want to. Put all the plan in place you want to. But we've got to walk in him. Without him, we can do nothing. And also, now, the Apostle Paul, the hardest working of all, all the Apostles. But listen to where he gave the credit. The most balanced verse I've ever seen in the Bible on the sovereignty of God and responsibility of men is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. One of my very favorite verses. Here's the Apostle Paul talking now. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. You need to say the same thing. If you've done anything right, it's by God's grace. Remember what I told you, the old brother Oakley, M.H. Oakley, from Little Rock, Arkansas, told me one time. I repeated that lots of times. I used to go see him pretty often. He enjoyed that dear old gentleman, that dear old servant of God. Not a preacher, but he's a servant of God. But I guess he said one day, I'm going to tell you my theology. I said, okay, bloke, I want to hear it. My theology is, if I do anything good, God gets 100% of the credit for it. If I do anything bad, I take 100% of the blame for it. You can't beat that for sound theology. If you've done anything good, give God all the glory, not just part of it, but all the glory. The reason you do anything right is if you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, it's because God had worked in you the will and to do of his good pleasure. You wouldn't have the will to do right to for God. One time a preacher got mad at me when I said that. I thought that was the soundest statement I ever made. I told one of these internet uh, list servers, I made that statement, and one preacher, I won't tell you who it is, he went ballistic. He went, I thought I was stunned. Hey, you're saying we're robots. I didn't say we we're robots. But I know you one thing. That gentleman could have hit a lick at a snake unless God blessed him to do so. My friend, listen. God gets all the glory for anything we do that's good. So let's finish this verse over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, the grace of God, which was with me. Isn't that a beautiful verse? That's so good I'll read it again. You ought to memorize that verse. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We ought to all say that. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, the grace of God was with me. Now, I said a while ago, in John 15, 5, without me you can do nothing. But you can't use that for an excuse. You've got to go according to God's revealed will. He said, you serve me with all your might. So let's read another verse to balance that one out. We've got to balance the Bible out, haven't we? And write it the word of truth. Let's go to another verse. Because oh, you can't hide behind God when you're lazy. If you're going to goof off, you can't say, well, God didn't bless me do I've heard to do people. I've heard people do that. Well, God just didn't, make, uh, I got a preacher right now I'm working with just drive me nuts. Somebody real close to me, he's not doing it right. And he's blaming God for it. But God had moved me to do this. You can't do that, folks. Here's what it says in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If God told you to do something, you just get up and do it. He's going to get a glory, but you just do it. That's your part. That's your part. Do it. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I think that's beautiful. Now I've got something else for you today. This is kind of preliminary now. I'm laying a foundation. Okay, you need the Holy Spirit. We sing the song often here at Grace Chapel and all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. I want to give you a great prayer. One of my favorite prayers in the whole scripture is Ephesians Chapter 3, verse 16. Paul is praying for the Ephesians in, second, in, in Ephesians 3, 16. He will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I like these verses so well I'm going to say most of them twice. Isn't that great? He will grant you, I'm, I'm praying that for you. You need internal strength. You need to keep your heart with all diligence out of, it, of the issues of life. We need internal spiritual strength. He gave it to me this week when I was studying. I rejoice in that because sometimes I don't have that. You need to be praying for me all the time. Sometimes I get sleepy when I'm trying to study. Sometimes I get lethargic. Sometimes I'm not enthused like I ought to. Sometimes it's a laborious thing. But, brother, when God Almighty blesses you with strength in the inner man, how about your prayer life? Sometimes your prayers are dull, right? You say, "God, I need to be strengthened with by Your Spirit in the inner man. I may pray of the Holy Ghost, like it says in Jude verse twenty. Look at verse. No, this is Ephesians three sixteen. That He will grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be Isn't that grant the riches of His glory, inexhaustible, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. We can do that." Now, here's what got me on this whole subject. and so maybe how God can put a sermon together. I was thinking about 2 Chronicles 7.14, which you could quote that. I'm going to read it to you. If my people, now this is a theocratic prayer, but it applies to us today because we're his people. This is really a theocratic prayer to the people who are under the theocracy of God's direct rule in the nation of Israel. But my friend, it applies to us today. It will give us some hope. Our country is going down the drain, as you well know. The whole Western world is going down the drain. And more than the Western world. We really are. If, you, if you're even halfway alert, you know this is the truth. The morality is incredibly corrupt. The ideas are horrible. The deck is stacked against us. But we don't have to despair at all. There's still hope, my friend. So let me read to you this wonderful scripture. And I hope it will grab a hold of you. If my people which are called by my name, there's four things here shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their wicked ways. That applies also, and I'll get to that in a minute. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. He hears, my friend. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. That's, uh, not, nothing. There's nothing impossible with God. Nothing too hard for God. One time some people said, I was reading it this week, who then can be saved? With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That's the truth. That's not just hyperbole. Okay, now, what I'm going to do, let's talk about all four of those things, humble themselves. Humility is a tremendous thing. I'm going to read you something Jonathan Edwards said about it in a minute. Pride is the opposite of humility. We all have more pride than we realize. We really do. We all want our name to be a lights. I'm gonna I'm going to laugh at myself for a minute. You can laugh with me if you want to. I wanna be humble. I want to be humble. I want to be self-effacing. I really do. I want to be like John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. I want to be that way, but I'm not that way very often. And I saw myself one time and I laughed at myself. And I should have laughed at myself. And we should have done a little crying too. I'm over in Tyler, Texas. Great big huge meeting. Big old meeting. was just crammed full of folks. So, uh, Lonnie Mazingo Jr. was preaching, and Bernie Stanley asked me to introduce services. So I got up there, and I thought I did pretty good. thought I did pretty good. I'm telling you the truth now: King James Bible. And so I just knew Lonnie would say something about what I said if he got up there. He didn't say anything. I sat back here and just crossed my arms. He didn't hit the lick of a snake. All of a sudden, he mentioned my name. I said, well, he's not doing so bad after all. And I laughed at myself. And it's, I don't want to be my name to be on lights. But my friend, I need to work in humility. I can't preach the whole sermon on humility today. There's one coming, I hope. Let me read you two scriptures on humility, and then read you something that uh, Jonathan Edwards said. I'm going to give you some excerpts from something he said. Not the whole thing. I'll take all that to read it. If you want a copy of this, I'll be glad to give you a copy. But let's look at Scripture on humility. Humble yourselves. This is James chapter 4, verse 10. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. Where do I humble myself? Maybe before men, but mainly in the sight of the Lord. God knows if I'm faking or not. The Pharisees acted like they were humble. Oh, they fasted. But they want everybody to know they fasted. You remember that? When you fast, he said, don't appear to be fasting. Anoint yourself to oil, and don't act like you're fasting. But my friend, those Pharisees like to get their faces all contorted, like they were suffering, oh, what a righteous and holy man he is. They appear to be humble. They're not humble at all. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. Another scripture that goes along with that is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, He may exalt you in due time. Let me tell you a story about that also. I had a preacher friend one time who got in trouble. His family was kind of in disarray. His family was in disarray. So he said, I'm going to quit preaching. And probably did the right thing for a while to quit. His family was in disarray. He said, Brother Zach, I'll never be able to preach again. He said, I'm going to spend my time praying for ministers. I said, don't speak so fast, buddy. Let me give you a scripture. If you'll humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord in due time, he'll exalt you. I'll never forget what he said. But Zach, I want to get as humble as I can get. He meant it too. You know what happened? He didn't put himself out in the pulpit. Somebody else did. There's an old preacher who had a lot of influence. And one day after this young man had been seated for quite a while and been humbling himself under the mighty hand of God, this brother Myers down Mississippi said, Brother so-and-so had been warming the bench too long. The time he would get in the pulpit, God put him in the pulpit. My friend, we don't put our up, but he said, I will exalt you in due time. God will exalt you if you humble yourselves. Now, let me read you what Jonathan Edwards said. I'll try to read it right. You don't like me to read. She's not here today. She's probably watching this. But I'm going to do it. And I'll try to do it right. If you want a copy, you're welcome to it. It's wonderful. I'm just giving an excerpt from it. Jonathan Edwards wrote, "Call." Undiscerned spiritual pride. The first and uh, worst cause of error that prevails in our day is spiritual pride. This is the main door by which the devil comes into the hearts of those who are zealous for the advancement of Christ. It's the chief inlet of smoke from the bottomless pit to darken the mind and mislead the judgment and and the main handle by which Satan takes hold of Christians to hinder a work of God. Until that disease is cured, medicine are applied in vain to heal all other diseases. Now, that's a good paragraph. And you know, Grace Chapel have always emphasized, we must endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit the bond of peace. We have been at peace for a long time. You know what the reason is? Because you're humble people mainly. Don't ever let pride get out of the way that we'll tear ourselves up. My friend, I better not get up too too far or I'll get myself on another track. We must humble ourselves and have long suffering and forbearance and expect my brother to be better than myself to get together. That's the true of family. It's true of brothers and sisters. We must be humble. And he's right about that. If we know our judgment, it just gets all messed up. We make all kinds of mistakes. It can happen in a marriage. When a husband and a wife are not humble as they ought to be. Happened with me. Pride is much more difficult to discern than any other uh, corruption. Because by nature, pride is a person having too high a thought of himself. Is it any surprise then that a person who, uh, who has too high a thought of himself is unaware of it? He thinks the opinion he has of himself uh, has has just grounds, and therefore is not too high. As a re- as a result, there is no other matter in which the heart is more deceitful and unsearchable. So he's right about it. We ask God, show me if I'm pride, if I have pride. Pride takes many forms and shapes, and encompasses the heart like the layers of an onion. When you pull off one layer, there's another underneath. Therefore, we need to have the greatest watch imaginable over our hearts with respect to this matter and to cry most earnestly to the great searcher of hearts for his help. He who trusts his own heart is a fool. We need God, please show me if I have pride. We need to do it. Search me, O God. Try my thoughts. See if me wicked way of me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Last verse of Psalm 139. Now, I'm not quite through yet. Because I want to get practical here. The spiritually proud person is full of light already and feels he does not need instruction. So he is ready to despise the offer of it. On the other hand, the humble person is like a little child who easily receives instruction. He is cautious in his estimate of himself, sensitive as to how liable he is to go astray. It, it, if it is subjected to him that he does go astray, he is most ready to inquire into the matter. So I found myself that way. I've got the best wife in the world. You guys may argue with me about that, but you're wrong. But I'll tell you what, she loves me so much, if she thinks I'm on the wrong track, she'll tell me about it. And I get mad sometimes. She's almost always right, not always right, but almost always right. But you know what makes me react against her? Pride. Pride. I'll write an article sometimes. She'll find fault with it. Can you believe that? I'm so proud this is a good article, you know. That when I finally sober up, say, hey, she got a point here. The humble Christian complains most of himself. I love this line. And his own spiritual coldness and readily hopes that most everybody has more love and thankfulness to God than he. I'll read that again. I love that. I love that uh, sentence here. The humble Christian complains most of himself in his own spiritual coldness and readily hopes that most everybody has more love and thankfulness to God than he. Now this last paragraph is kind of funny in a way. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. The humble, however, when he ha- the, the, even when they have extraordinary discoveries of God's glory, are overwhelmed with their own violence and sinfulness. Now I like this. This is what I like. I love this sentence. Pay attention to it. The eminently humble Christian thinks he needs help from everybody. Where if the spiritually proud person thinks everybody needs his help. Now, where are you at? Do you need help from everybody? Or do you think everybody needs your help? Pride, my friend. If my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves, number one, then pray. Now, I'm going to give you, there's, we can say a lot about prayer, I won't, but I'm going to give you the verse I want to give you right now. Because if my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. God will heal their land. Let's go to this one. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses uh, 1 and 2. You've heard me say this lots of times. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all men, for kings, for those that are in authority. We may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. My friend, th- we need to pray that with all of our might. As our government becomes more and more ungodly. Our liberties are in danger. We ought to pray that all the time. If my people, you call by my name, shall humbly sit and pray. How are you doing about that? If we could see on the horizon what could happen here, we'd really be praying about that. You know, lots of people, I've read some books lately. Lots of people that come from Eastern Europe and places where they had communism, they say, you Americans don't realize what's happening here in your country. That's how it started in our country, some of the things that are going on now. They're, they're trying to sound the alarm. You need to really be alert and realize what's happening in your country here. I won't go into that right now a whole lot. But if my friend, if my people call my name, shall humble and pray, and all my friends, that glorious one, and seek my face. I love that so much. Seek my face. i don't to read you a scripture too on that. I read an article by Bobby Poe this week, and I called below Bobby and to told him how much I appreciate it. He wrote a book on, uh, it's a spiritual, it's a uh, devot- de- devotional book. And he had one on, Seeking God's face. And I rejoiced in that. And okay, look, do you parents ever do this? Johnny, do you ever do this? Jonathan, look at me. Do You ever do this? <laughs> look at me. You know what Jesus is saying to us? He said, hey, look at me. Are you looking at Jesus Christ in the face? You know, there's a guy at Mickey church. I won't tell you what his name is. And I got uh, one time uh, disconcerted down there. He was preaching. And this guy would never look at him. He He's always looking over like that. I, he might have been listening, probably was. But uh, have you ever tried to talk to somebody that didn't look at you? You know what God's saying? Look at me. My faith, we need to seek his face. To seek his face. You'll find a smile on his face if you'll do that. It's not enough to just pray. We need to seek his face. Don't you love that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Look full to his wonderful face. The things of earth. Rose strangely dim, the light of His glory and grace. Isn't that beautiful? We need to put our eyes on Jesus Christ. He said, seek my face. I'm going to read you one over in Numbers. You, you know this. You probably got it memorized. We've got a great song in our book about this. It's the, ironic, the Aaronic Prayer. Not ironic, ironic Prayer. I'll start in verse 22. This is, this is uh, Numbers 6. We need to seek His precious face, my friends. I'll read you a verse on that in a minute. All right, here we are. Numbers chapter 6, beginning verse 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speaking unto Aaron and his sons, saying, On this wise shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, oh, Glorious, wonderful, we love this Aaronic prayer. Aaronic blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Don't you like that? The Lord make his face shine upon thee and give thee peace. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, I mean, I mean, and, uh, and be gracious unto thee. I'm going to read it. i, I butchered it. Let me start again. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? My friend, look at Jesus Christ. It's not enough to we, 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 we uh, humble ourselves. Then we pray, then we seek his face. We seek his face. Oh, Psalm, uh, this is a great Psalm. Verse Psalm 27, verse 8. I want you to do this. I want you to, I want do it. I've been trying to do it this week. I want to do it better. Psalm 27, verse 8. When thou said, he means to, to the Lord. When thou said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Is your heart telling you that? I hope it is. Are you too busy to seek his face? Are you too busy? Sometimes the kid's too busy, so that's what mama says. says look at me. My brethren, God said, look at me. I might, let my heart, God said, seek my face. He wants us to seek his face. He wants to have fellowship with us. So let our hearts say, Lord, thy face will I seek. I think that's just absolutely beautiful. Now, some of this other stuff you may not like. not like I don't like it either. Turn from your wicked ways. Brother Zach, that's way too strong. You're talking to a Christian at the Great Chapel. You're talking to a Christian over at your Great Chapel. You're not talking to some heathen out in the street right here. Your wicked ways. We may do a few bad things. Wicked ways? God talking to Israel. Turn from your wicked ways. Listen, folks. We need to have a proper view of sin. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, Sin became exceeding sinful to him. Is it sinful to you? You know, we have sins of commission. We have sins of omission. We had a man here at our New Year's Eve service. He wasn't from Grace Chapel. He's out of town. And when we had a prayer circle uh, b- before midnight, and they asked me to pray, I, said, I prayed, God, help us love you more. And that really got that guy. He said, I've been thinking about that a lot, lady. I've been thinking about what God said love me, all your heart and mind and soul. Now, I'm not doing that. Are you doing that? Well, if we're not, it's wickedness. Let me read you that verse over here. In, uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. So, wicked ways. We can acknowledge, my friend, I'm talking to Christians that I love and respect, but I'm telling you, we need to recognize some of our ways are wicked ways. We ought not to try to, 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 to cover it up or, or minimize it. Well, what you ought to want to do is maximize your sins, not minimize them. We tend to minimize our sins and maximize the sins of others. We need to have the same attitude David had in Psalm 51. He, that great Psalm, he, he called, he, well, let me just read that first verse. I could probably quote it, but I might get messed up. Sometimes my mind gets going, I got to just, I got to watch it. Psalm 51. Now think about this. David, I'm not saying you committed adultery like David did. I'm not saying you, you committed murder like David did. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this applies to us. We need to maximize our sins like David, like Paul did over there. He, he thought he was doing really well at one time. He said the commandment came. That was regeneration he meant came. And then he said sin revived and I died. Sin revived. Somebody wrote a book not too long ago called We Don't Blush Anymore. We Don't Blush Anymore. I had an aunt, Aunt Lucille, dear person. A real genuine uh, good old southern belle type woman. High quality woman. She wouldn't even say anything, not even a slang word, let alone a old cuss word. She got put in a nursing home up in Humboldt, Tennessee. I went to see her one day. I was actually shocked. They had the TV on, and the people were, some of these ribald, humor people were talking about, and she was sitting there laughing. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. She would have been shocked if she realized what she had done. She'd been around so much and got uh, inured to it that it didn't bother her anymore. My friend, we need to learn how to blush. We need to learn how to let our word through our mouth and the, the, the very thoughts of our heart be what they ought to be. We, we, we'll be an oddball if we, do, we ought to do that. But anyway, look at David. He's maximizing his wickedness, his sin, in Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Clean me from my sin. Every Hebrew word in the Old Testament used for sin. Those three, he repeated every one of those three. He's not minimizing his sin. He's maximizing his sin. And on the sin of omission, I'll read that to you here uh, from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. God wants us to do this. Jesus said to him "This God was asking him what's the great commandment? What's the greatest commandment? So here's what our precious Savior said. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, my friend, that's a sin of omission. I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm hoping God Almighty will get in our hearts, make us recognize some of our ways are wicked. Some, are you as faithful as you ought to be in church attendance? Are you faithful as you ought to be in your prayer life? Are you faithful? Are you being in your Bible reading life? Are you parents having family devotion like you should? There's every kind of area we need to examine ourselves in. Because my friend, we're sinners. And Jesus Christ himself told the apostles in the Garden of Eden, I mean the, the Garden of Gethsemane, when they could not even pray with him, he said, is "This true of you and me. The Spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. We do to realize that. The Spirit's w- willing. We need to beg God to fortify us, strengthen us with might for your spirit in inner man. We need to be alert in our Christian life. We don't need to be complacent. We don't need to be self-satisfied. Again, not a frenzy now. I try to make that plain. I don't want you to go into a frenzy. But I want you to think seriously about these matters. Say, God, help me take baby steps towards serving you better. And Lord, show me more how I need to be serving you better. I don't want you to just go out here and say, I'm fixing to run a 100-yard dash because you'll burn out. My friend, the, the Christian life is a marathon. We need to continue to lay out every weight. We had some men to pray that today in our prayer life. Lay aside every weight. The sin which is not so easy beset us. We might run with patience, endurance, The rest and set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. All right. Now I'm going to give you another verse on this wickedness. Psalm 19, verse 14. I love Psalm 19. Verse 14 is a great prayer. Let the words of my mouth, the words of my mouth, not just my actions, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Meditation of my heart, my thought life, be accessible in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be accessible in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now let me finish this out, and then I'm going to go to Revelation 2 for a minute. I would not going to have time now, but I think i got time. Well, no, let me read you something else. I will to read you something else first. Some, some people remember this. I think the beach will remember this. Melissa and Keith remember this. And I think Senator Dean will. One time, Tom Verdeha, a friend of ours, had a dinner party. Had a real good time. Y'all remember that? That was a big time. And so when he prayed, it blew me out of the water. Man, what a prayer. What a prayer. Woo! And so I found that letter. He'd been raised at a pickable church. He's not a anymore. But he memorized this prayer when he was a kid. So I found it in the, the book of common prayer, the prayer of penitence. And I've memorized it. I'm going to read it to you because I don't want to stumble over a word. But I love this prayer. And you ought to be praying these kind of prayers. The prayer of penitence from the book of common prayer, the old book of common prayer. <laughs> Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things we ought to have done. We have done those things we ought not to have done. There's no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. They consider them, themselves to be wicked, didn't they? Spare them, spare thou those, O God. Who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to thy promises. Declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And what did God say he'd do, folks? I will hear from heaven. He will hear from heaven. He never, never turned down a penitent sinner yet. His eyes, his ears are open to our cries. The eyes of the Lord over the, that's you now. The eyes of the Lord over the righteous. His ears are open to their cries. He said, I'll hear them. I'll forgive their sin. Hallelujah. I'm glad that's forgiveness with God, aren't you? And he said, I'll heal their land. Who knows what God may do? If just a few people here will follow this, no tell what God might even do for our own city. If my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, I'll heal their land. Now let me go to Revelation chapter 2 for my last thing I want to do. This is one of the things God put on my heart. is the church of Ephesus. Now look, my friends, here's a magnificent church. I'm telling you, it's amazing. There's some great literature. You know, tempting you to pastor this church. The Apostle Paul is the one who established his church, and right here in the first century, that already begun to drift away. We can't take anything for granted. We cannot be complacent. We cannot be self satisfied. So I'm going to read to you about the church at Ephesus. Now you will think, my man, when he starts Jesus Christ bragging on them, man. He's he, what a church this is. But we got to realize they had a fatal flaw. They had a fatal flaw. Revelation chapter two unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works. My friend, he knows our works also. And thy labors and thy patience. That's pretty good, isn't it? Works, labors, and patience. how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Church discipline. And thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not. That means they had to have a lot of ability to discern false doctrine. They were sounding doctrine. Man, great stuff here. Has born, has patience. And for my name's sake, Hast labored and hast not fainted, my, my, my! What a condemnation! What a com- commendation! <clears throat> Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. So he was the remedy for this, isn't that something? Doing everything right, their heart was really in it, and a honeymoon love for God. Sometimes our marriages need to re, need to be rekindled, don't they? My friend, our love for Jesus Christ oftentimes needs to be rekindled. I've been married now for 54 years. And I love my wife, but sometimes we got to rekindle things. We get taken each other for granted. And we just the routine we go through, we just kind of get immersed in that. We need, my friend, to rekindle that first love. And that's what we need to do with our precious Savior also. So what we do, there's some things. Remember, let's do some remembering. Are you ready to remember a little bit? When y'all get old, it's not all bad. I'm going to tell you about it, it's not all bad. Some of us bad getting old. You know what kind of fun? I have fun now at my age. Sometimes at night, I don't even ask for this. God just gives it to me. I start running over my life and my mind and get so happy I can't hardly stand it. You've been so good to me, God. Jerry McMahon lived with us for a while. And my daddy was dying of congestive heart failure. I was spending too much time with him because I was going to college and Jerry wasn't going to college then and he talked to my daddy and and my daddy had lost his wife he only got got to be 19 and a half years with her and uh, he had had a lot of trouble in his life but Jerry said all my daddy could do for the last few months of his life I can't believe how good God's been to me my friend that's where I'm at right now looking back over my life how he's rescued me from danger how he's blessed me with blessings it's a wonderful thing to do that so I can get my lot, my, my, uh, even when I was a kid, my friend, the church I used to go to when I was a kid, stuff like that. The friends I've had is just ab- absolutely amazing. Amazing is amazing. Y'all are some of them, by the way. So anyway, he says, remember from whence thou art fallen. Have you fallen? Have you gotten lukewarm? And repent. Repent means to change your mind and change your actions. I want to preach the song of repentance sometimes. I really do. On godly, work working repentance. I want to preach that. It's over in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And do the first works. Three things. Now remember, repent and do. Or else I will come unto thee quickly. We'll remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Now, isn't that amazing? You know what the candlestick is? It's God's special presence. That's what it makes a church. That's what makes a church. That's what makes a Great Chapel. That's why my friend, you know, I know some churches that probably don't exist anymore. They just think they do. You ever seen any of these westerns? A guy plugged with a 45 and he hadn't hit the ground yet? He's already a dead duck, but he hadn't hit the ground yet. Some churches, my friend, I think, and even some preachers probably, they've been plugged with a 45, they hadn't hit the ground yet. God forbid it happened in great Chapel. God forbid. God forbid it happened in your life. My friend, let's run through let's let's print out at the end of our lives. If you need to be rekindled, get your second win, get your second win. Don't be complacent. May God bless these words to my life and your life and have an effect upon our lives. Would be my prayer. Uh, let's get a good song. Have a handshake. Let's let's sing, let's take him two thirty-two.